0: Let me give you a warm welcome. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we meet in his name today. My name is Murdo MacLeod. I'm the minister at Nairn Free Church, and it's my privilege to be with you today. We'll worship God. Let's sing to his praise in Psalm 40. Psalm 40. And from the beginning, I waited for the Lord my God and patiently did bear. At length to me he did incline my voice and cry to hear. We sing to God's praise. join together in prayer, let's pray Lord God, Almighty God, our Triune God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit we come this day seeking to worship you seeking to bow ourselves down in your presence, to humbly recognise our own sin and to recognise a Holy God we come as those who have no right to come except that you bid us come, you encourage us to come, to be acquainted with you, to to know you, to draw near to God in order that he might draw near to us. We pray, Heavenly Father, meet with us as we gather in the name of Jesus this morning. We bless you for the Lord's Day. We thank you for the, the privileges it gives us week by week to remember Not just the death, but the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And to to come together, the, the Lord's people, coming together in the Lord's name into the Lord's house to sing you praises and to meet before you in worship and in thanksgiving. And we do give thanks, Lord, even as we sing the words of that psalm and we hear the testimony of the psalmist and we bless you for all those who can echo uh, these words in their own experience. They waited for the Lord God and in due time he heard them and he lifted them from the, the mud and the mire and all that they were Entrapped and besmirched with, Lord, we bless you that you have set the feet of your people upon a rock and put a new song in their mouth so that many would see and hear and fear. And come to rely upon the Lord God for themselves We pray that you would enable each and every one of us to trust in Jesus We pray, enable us to see that in and of ourselves we are bankrupt That we have nothing to offer, nothing to bring Nothing to uh, endear you to us at all Everything is of grace The the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ Who who loved us and gave himself for us Uh, One Who loved us so much that he came into this world. Loved the will of the Father so much. The the love of the Father that sent his Son into the world. The love of the Son to come and to live, and not in glorious circumstances, but in the most humble circumstances. in, In loneliness, in obscurity, in anonymity, coming as a child. Uh, living in poverty and uh, in the most meagre way Lord God we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he was willing to do and as far as he was willing to take it even to his own death on the cross to suffer and die for sinners like us Lord we, we cannot plumb the depths of the love of Christ we cannot grasp uh, the height the the width the extent We cannot know what it was for him to feel forsaken upon the cross and to plumb these depths and to taste hell for us in order that we might not. Gracious God, how we bless you for our wonderful Saviour. And we pray that as we come together today and gather round his table, you would enable us indeed to remember him and not to not to forget him to not rise from the table forgetting him, eh, feeling as if we've done our duty and ticked that box again. Lord we pray enable us to remember the Lord Jesus Christ at all times. Thank you for the sacrament that enables us to remember him in that specific way from time to time. But we pray that he would always be fresh in our minds and that we would have daily fellowship with him and that we might walk with him and that we might seek and know his blessing upon us in all things Lord nothing else matters but the blessing of God and we do pray that even as we are reminded here today that it was for our sake that he hung and suffered there upon the cross Lord we pray that we would be able to uh, have our love rekindled and our devotion renewed so that we know and love the Lord Jesus Christ and live to love and serve him. We pray for your people here. We pray your blessing upon them all. We give thanks for them. We pray for the minister and pray that day would soon come when he's able to be back in the pulpit here again. We pray for the congregation. We pray for each and every one. We ask that you would bless them in in their work and their labour for Christ. And we give thanks that that labour in the Lord is never in vain. We ask, uh, be amongst us, if we we do not yet know Jesus, then enable us to know him. For anybody here today who who cannot say he is my Saviour, may the day come soon, when they can, when they can speak of Christ in the most personal terms, my Lord, my King, my Redeemer, my Saviour. May that be true, Lord, for every single one of us. Remember those who cannot be with us, remember those who are unwell, remember those who are hospitalised or housebound those who have the the care of others, those who have other legitimate duties to be tending to. Lord, we pray uh, everything we would ask for ourselves in being here, we would pray for them as they're unable to be here. May they too know the blessing of Almighty God where they are and take away every sin, we pray, for we ask everything in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. (coughs) I was asked to say a, a word to... Particularly for the boys and girls But I don't mind if others listen in as well Um, I was on holiday recently uh, About three or four weeks ago We were down in London Uh, Hadn't been there for a few years now Uh, It was nice to to be back Seeing all the famous buildings And all the famous things that there are to see In London And a lot of people Didn't know many of them, must confess Um, But we knew some We went to as well as all the posh places um, Buckingham Palace and the House of Commons Big Ben, we saw all these things we also went to London Free Church so that was nice because it meant we got to see some old friends, make some new friends and uh, there was one wee guy in particular that I kept seeing all around London everywhere I went, I don't remember seeing him the last time I went to London but this time I kept seeing him everywhere and I thought, what's going on here? I brought him I brought him in my bag he's not out Mm -hmm. anybody know who that is? who is it? Paddington Paddington, isn't it? yeah Paddington's so cool what is he? who's going to answer me? what is he? A a bear he is a bear yeah do you know what his wee sign says please look after this bear Thank you. So that's, my, that's my wife said to me before I left today. <laughs> Just make sure you bring him back. Um, yeah, no, Paddington. He's, do you know where he's from? Originally? Somebody at the back seems to know. Where's he from? Did you say Peru? If you said Peru, you're right. Yeah. But he came to London. That's where he got the name Paddington because he's called after a station in London, isn't he? Do you know what he likes to eat? And do you know what he likes to eat? I know you know. Come on. He keeps it under his hat. What is it? Marmalade sandwiches he does, doesn't he? And do you know who he sat and had marmalade sandwiches with? Somebody very, very famous. Who did he have his marmalade sandwich with? And she kept hers in her handbag. Not many of us knew that. Do you know who it was? Sorry? The Queen, yeah, our our dear late Queen, sadly she's no longer with us, we now have a king. But about a year ago, Paddington had afternoon tea with the Queen. How special is that? That's the most amazing thing when you think about it, isn't it? I don't think anybody here, well maybe they have, I don't know, has had afternoon tea with the Queen. But Paddington, yeah you did, did you? Yeah, (laughs) it's a great honour to have afternoon tea with the Queen. She doesn't just ask everybody to have afternoon tea with her. And you know, there's, there's not many people in this country, Well, in fact there was nobody in this country that was more important than the Queen. Sadly, as I say, she's died since then. We've now got a King, King Charles, and there's nobody in the country now that's more important than King Charles. If, when we meet the King or the Queen, we politely bow. But The king, the king, King Charles, he doesn't bow to anybody because he's the king. But you know what? Even he, even he has a king. Even he must acknowledge there is a king that's more important than him. The Bible talks about Jesus being the real king, the true king. Describes him as the king of kings. The one that all the kings and queens and presidents and prime ministers and all the important people in the world, as well as the ordinary folk like you and me, he's the one that we need to bow before. He is the true king. The Lord Jesus is the true king. The king of the whole world. The king who reigns in heaven. And you know, afternoon tea with the queen is something. But what the Lord Jesus, King Jesus, offers us today... Is to come and have supper with him, to come and to dine with him, and to remember him. We're here to celebrate the Lord's supper. That's far greater than afternoon tea with the Queen. We're here to remember the Lord Jesus, who said, "Break body, but break, break bread, and remember that my body was broken for you. Drink wine, and remember my blood was shed for you. Take my supper." Take my supper, be my people, remember me, never forget me. And for all those who who know and love and trust the Lord Jesus, he promises one day you'll be able to take part in an even greater supper than that. The marriage supper of the Lamb. For all God's people and all who love the Lord Jesus will yet go to heaven to meet with him there and be with him forever. And dine with him forever. And fellowship with him forever. And worship him forever. That's greater than anything we could ever have in this world. And it should be our prayer. And I hope it is our prayer. Lord, let me yet be at the great marriage supper of the Lamb. Now we're going to sing again to the Lord's praise. We're going to sing in Psalm 103. Psalm 103 and at verse 12. As far as east is from the west so far, his love has borne away our many sins and trespasses, and all the guilt that on us lay. Uh, Psalm 103 verses 12 to 22. We'll sing to God's praise. with me now, please, in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 11, John's Gospel, chapter 11, and to the beginning of the chapter, John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him." After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. So then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So on, Amen. May the Lord bless to us that reading from his own holy word and to his name be the praise and the glory. It was a great privilege, we were saying this last night, it's a great privilege uh, to come to a communion season. A great privilege to be able to come and in this very specific way to remember the Lord Jesus and to remember his grace. And his his love and his devotion for his people. What amazing thing it is that Christ should love us. But as we saw last night too, it's a good time to reflect on our devotion toward him. I think the Bible does encourage us to do that. Let a man examine himself. So let him come, so let him eat, so let him drink from the Lord's table. And last night, as we reflected, we were thinking about these two sisters, Martha and Mary. Uh, We saw their hospitality, we saw their generosity, we saw their faithfulness, their kindness, something of their devotion. We saw that Martha earned herself a rebuke um, for being overly busy in the Lord's service at the time that she really ought to have been doing what Mary was doing which was sitting at Jesus' feet and listening and learning and taking that opportunity. Now we find out uh, these two sisters uh, have a brother uh, a brother called Lazarus and what an amazing thing uh, the Bible says about him. Uh, where are we? Uh, Lord the, the sisters send a message verse 3 the sisters send a message to Jesus saying Lord he whom you love is ill he whom you love is ill what a what a lovely way to describe they don't say Lazarus is ill your friend Lazarus is ill he whom you love is ill what an amazing thing that is and of course there's no inconsistency in somebody who the Lord Jesus loves being ill and I know I'm sure we don't think that way for a moment Good people get ill Some get better All of us die eventually We we all know what it is I'm sure to to be ill Um, And there's times we can be too ready to see illness And we have to be careful here Because sometimes we see illness as a sign of God's judgement Or a sign of the Lord's displeasure with us What did I do wrong that he's brought this on me? And I've met people even of relatively strong faith and when something happens and they get ill, they say, why? Why has the Lord done this? I don't understand. Why, why would he bring this on me? And, uh, the, there's no reason why we wouldn't. At the end of the day, it's, we're, we're all sinners. We're, we're blessed that we receive so much from the Lord Jesus. Uh, and illness strangely enough can be a blessing in its own way and many people who have been ill and sometimes seriously ill sometimes even terminally ill are able to say thank the Lord this time has been a blessing to me and here that's exactly what it is it's a blessing this time of illness Mary and Martha are obviously concerned for their brother but they'll yet see that his illness is a blessing. They bring their situation to Jesus, which is lovely and absolutely the right thing to do. Sometimes we talk about it, or we sing about it, take it to the Lord in prayer. They bring their situation to the Lord. And it's not even really a prayer. They send a message to him. Just saying that, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And they just, they've got a situation and they bring it to him to Jesus. We can learn from that too can't we? Whatever our situation bring it to the Lord Jesus whatever your circumstances ups, downs the ups and downs and ins and outs of life bring it to Jesus. That's what Martha and Mary do at this time and they obviously feel that that's a good thing to do. They have a trust in Jesus. They have a faith in Jesus. They believe in Jesus. They know what Jesus is capable of and they simply present their situation to Jesus. There's great wisdom in that, isn't there? And there's great faith. And one would suppose that what they're hoping for is Lazarus will be made well again. And if the message goes back to them, so they send a message, verse 3. The sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Verse 4, but when Jesus heard that, he said, this illness does not lead to death. And presumably whoever's brought the message Will take that message back To the sisters He says this will not lead to death I can only imagine How happy they were When they heard that response From Jesus Um, And it wouldn't ultimately lead to death But it would lead through death We know this story We know this passage We know Lazarus is dead Jesus brings him back to life again. We didn't read that far in the passage but we know perhaps from our knowledge of the story that's exactly what's going to happen. Lazarus does die and Jesus restores him to life again. This uh, illness doesn't end in death but it does lead through death and back to life again and all to God's glory that's what Jesus said this illness does not lead to death it's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it I don't know if many of us think I I can be ill to God's glory if if illness comes upon me I can be ill to God's glory. The, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we respond to it, the way we react to it, we can do it, even that to God's glory. Which is why we should always be careful about cursing illness and assuming that it's a bad thing, because we're specifically told that Jesus loves Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This is not this is not a punishment for their badness. This is a family that the Lord Jesus loves when I mean, you come to verse 6 you might think there's something a bit odd about this Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus so you might think that verse 6 is going to say so he, as fast as he could he made his way to Bethany and it doesn't say that does it it says he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus so when he heard that Lazarus was ill he stayed two days longer in the place where he was and you think, no, that, that's, that doesn't seem to make sense you know, they, they're saying he's ill as though the implication is is he going to do something about it he stays where he is he stays two days longer which possibly for some that were around um, seemed a bit harsh a bit cruel even what's Jesus doing? does he not love this man? does he not love these two women? why is he not getting there as fast as possible? for two days and maybe maybe all that time these disciples and the others round are scratching their heads. Saying, why is he not going to Bethany? D- doesn't make any sense. Why are we not going there? Where is God in this? Does God not care? How often do you hear that? When there's illness around. But this is for God's glory. It's for their good. It's for our good. We might think we don't have any... Part to play in this story we all do because this illness and indeed this death is all for God's glory and it's for their good Martha and Mary and Lazarus you say, how can that be for good it's for their good and it's for our ultimate good because it tells us things about the Lord Jesus Christ and his love and his grace doesn't it he's telling us amongst other things that the long term is more important than the short term yes in the short term there's illness there's the, the pain that they must have felt as they saw Lazarus' life ebbing away there's the, the anguish and the sorrow and the grief when he finally dies and there's no sign of Jesus he didn't appear, he didn't come and you can imagine all the questions well why, why did he not come he said and he even said it wouldn't end in death What's going on here? You can only imagine the way they must feel. But the long term, what's going to happen at the end of the story is so much more important to Jesus than the short term. He's not playing with them and not maliciously uh, playing with their emotions. But he's doing this for a purpose. He's allowing this situation to unravel for a purpose probably, if it was us and we had the power to do anything about it, we'd do it differently. We would take a completely different approach to what we would do if we had medical skill or some such thing, or could contribute anything to the situation. We'd probably have gone off to Bethany as fast as we could. Trying to do what we could to help in the situation. Prevent death if we could do it. I'm sure that's what we would probably all do if we only could. But if we'd done that, or if anybody had done that, a great, great great blessing would have been missed. Because what was going to transpire in Bethany was something far greater than a man being healed of sickness. What's the greater miracle? A sick man being healed or a dead man being raised to life? What is more remarkable? What is more God-glorifying what is more soul-stirring? What is more convicting? What is more testimony to the power and the grace and the saving ability of the Lord Jesus Christ? Sometimes we shrink from God's providence and God's guidance. We think we know better. And we think, if I was God, I wouldn't have allowed that to happen. And thank God you and I are not God. And thank God He is Because he knows the end from the beginning. And all that he does is good and right and wise (coughs) and proper. (coughs) If Lazarus was not dead and buried four days ago, we wouldn't know that Jesus could do such a thing. We know that he raised to to life a, a little girl that had just died. We know there was a man from Nain who was on his way to the cemetery dead in his coffin or on a bier or whatever eh, would have been the equivalent in those days his his grieving mother eh, grieving for him, sorrowing for him raised to life again but four days that's a long long time four days Lazarus was dead four days his sisters mourning for him and no sign of Jesus And if he hadn't waited so long, we wouldn't know he could do this, would we? We wouldn't know he was capable of raising from the dead somebody who'd been dead and buried four days. He, of course, wouldn't even be in the grave four days, three days. The Lord Jesus lay in the grave. Isn't that one of the things we're remembering here today? We're remembering the Lord's death. That's. Our focus, that's what we really want to think about. His love, his devotion for us. Going to the cross, dying, being buried. Three days, three nights in the tomb. We're here taking the Lord's Supper to remember his death till he comes. Remembering the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus eventually arrives in Bethany, verse 17. But it's four days since the the funeral. I don't know if this is right or not, but somebody was telling me that there there was a tradition at that time that when a, in Jewish tradition, it's not biblical, just a tradition that they believed that when a person died, their spirit kind of hovered around for three days. Three days. And the the spirit would be kind of looking down on, all the activity and so on, uh, kind of lingering there, seeing the, the grief, seeing all that was going on before, kind of finally passing into the great beyond. This was the tradition, I'm told. Uh, there's certainly no biblical truth to it and there's there's no basis for it whatsoever. But if that was the tradition, if that was what people believed, this is Jesus Bringing a man back from the dead who's been gone four days beyond what even they, according to their tradition, which was wrong. Even according to what their tradition said was past the point of no return. Is that why Jesus waited four days? I can't say. But four days is a long time for a person to be dead and buried. And Jesus waits all that time. Arguably he comes when that position is the strongest When they can't say, yeah, but he wasn't really dead. It had only been three days. It's not like that at all. He comes after four days. And whatever it is, three days, four days, that's a great challenge. And what they're going to witness here is a great miracle. And it's going to take, it's good to add to great faith and it's going to bring great glory to God. Because here we see God at work. Through our Precious Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, in the most remarkable way, and we read too that um, many Jews, many of the Jews, had come. This verse 19 had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. It's worth noticing that many of the Jews had come. These are people that share their faith outwardly, but this is the place that Jesus had been warned, "Don't go." Remember, they tried to stone you the last time you were there. Jesus is going back, as it were, into the, the lion's den of that place. But these Jews, whoever they are, they're friends. Jesus is a Jew. His disciples are Jews. But people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And I think that tells us something about the kind of people that they are too. Yeah. We saw last night, we know about their hospitality. We know they seem to be popular. They have friends. Um, many seem to have benefited from their friendship and that's just worth thinking about for a moment too isn't it Martha and Mary and Lazarus their faith, their devotion to God and to Jesus doesn't stop Jews who are potentially hostile to Jesus from mixing with Martha and Mary and that tells us something about their character as well doesn't it their witness in that community is such that people are drawn to them and want to comfort them and want to console them at that time. They're not shunned because they've shown hospitality to Jesus, the the heretic, the false teacher, as the Pharisees and the scribes and so on would would speak of them. Um, Their their faith and their devotion and their their character is such that the community sympathises with them. That's part of their Christian testimony and Christian witness. What a blessing sometimes Christians can be to their neighbours, to their community. Just by living out uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's what these sisters did. And it it turned out to be a real blessing for their friends. It's good to have non-Christian friends. Because you never know. Your faith might be a blessing to them. might be the very thing that brings them to faith in Christ. On this occasion, that's exactly what happened. Verse 45. Many of the Jews who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. When they saw the miracle of the resurrection of Lazarus, many of these Jews came to believe in Jesus for themselves. That's not why they'd come to the house in the first place. They only came to be a comfort to their friends. But the blessing of God was poured out on them as well. You you might even say they were rewarded for their considerateness, their friendship with Mary and Martha. Who knows? Who knows? How our friends, our neighbours, our communities can be blessed when we bring Jesus to them. And when we live out Jesus before them. Pray that you'll be a blessing to those round about you. Pray. That his light will shine in you and speak to them of the love of Christ as it did here. They're faithful people. They love the Lord Jesus. They're devoted to the Lord Jesus. And yet, this situation must tax their faith and strain their faith to the point that they're saying, I don't understand. I don't understand. Do you remember that man in Mark chapter 9 who comes to Jesus and says, I I believe, if you're willing, if you can, that you can drive the demon out of my son. And Jesus, "If, if I can. He says, don't you believe? He says, Lord, I do believe. Please help my unbelief. Remember that man? I believe. Help my unbelief. Perhaps many of us can echo and sympathise with that man some of us perhaps feel our own faith swithers sometimes sometimes it's running high and sometimes it's running low and sometimes we feel our faith is strong and sometimes we feel have I even got faith something happens that causes us to, to question ourselves maybe even to question God Maybe find ourselves in the same sort of position as that man. Lord, I believe, help now mine unbelief. And I don't know if there's a, an element of that with these sisters here. They come out, Martha comes out first of all, verse uh, 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. What does she believe about him at that point? Does she believe that the only way Lazarus could have been saved was for Jesus to be physically present? She must know the stories of people that came to Jesus and he said, go home and you'll find that the person we're talking about has been healed, and they would go home and, yes, find him healed. He could do it from a distance. What's Martha thinking here when she says, if only you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. What does she believe? What does she believe about him? What does she believe about God? What does she believe about what is possible? What does she believe about what is not possible? What's impossible? If only you'd been here, everything would have been different, is the implication, isn't it? And there's no doubt that they believe he can do anything. I'm sure most of us believe that the Lord can do anything. But even when we pray for the, the things that are most agonizing on our hearts, the, the things that were desperate the prayers that were desperate he would answer. We know he can. The, the, the question is, when when we're trying to pray with faith, do do I believe that he will? Do I believe that he will? Or that in his sovereignty he might not. And it leads to that kind of conundrum, doesn't it? Of faith and not faith. Was the prayer just not answered because I didn't have enough faith? These things can play on our minds and play with our souls so much. One assumes they would got the, the message. Um, When they said, Lord, he whom you love is ill, Jesus said, this illness does not lead to death. We presume that message was what was taken back to Bethany, to Mary and Martha. Good news. Jesus says, this is not going to to lead to death. You presume they got that message and took great comfort in it at the time. But then, it all comes crashing because Lazarus does die. But at least in our Whatever state her faith is in at this point, and I don't know if it's weak or I don't know if it's strong, she goes to him. She doesn't flee from him. She doesn't say, I want nothing more to do with him. She goes out to him. She meets him before he even comes into the village and says this, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I don't, is that a simple statement? Is that, her, is that a statement of great faith? I, I know he wouldn't have died if you'd been here. Is there an accusation in it? Is there a degree of resentment? If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. Is it an accusation? Don't know how to read it. But she spent at least four days agonising about it, maybe even up to seven days. We just don't know when that message came back. How did her friends feel about it? All these people that that knew them to be friends of Jesus. that knew what they believed about Jesus. What did they think? You thought you were going to see a miracle. The man's died. These people seemed so sure that Jesus could do something about it. And it hasn't happened. What did that make them think? What are friends? Ask a a modern person. They say, friends, I'll be there for you. That's what friends will say. That's what friends will do. We all know God's not a slot machine that we just put in our prayer request and pop comes the answer out. We know that's not the way it works. But we often struggle when our prayer requests are denied, don't we? And when we go through hard times, we struggle. We would never believe in what some call the prosperity gospel that if you're a Christian that everything goes well for you and you'll be rich and you'll be wealthy and you'll have a big house and big cars and nothing will go badly for you we don't believe that and yet when something goes badly for us it often leaves us thinking where's God? why has he done this? why is he doing it? I don't understand he doesn't love me he doesn't care and in practical terms we can be very much like the prosperity gospel people It's easy to presume that what we want, especially if we want it so badly, is going to be the best thing for us and what we should wish God to do for us. But even now, even now Martha knows that he can heal from afar. She knows anything is possible for him. If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. What's she saying? Is she saying there, I believe... That you can bring Lazarus back I don't know if it's as strong as that but at the same time my faith still there's doubts mixed in there with that faith I know there's real faith but real faith can have real doubts as well you jump forward in the passage to verse 39 standing at the tomb of Lazarus in front of the sealed door and Jesus says take away the stone because he knows what he's going to do take away the stone And Martha gasps at the thought. Is this her doubts again? Oh no, no, please don't. How awful. How undignifying. How, oh no, what a terrible thing. Has her faith gone again? She knows he can do anything. Really? Is he going to do that? Can he do that? Oh, she can hardly bear the thought. But Lord, this time, the the body has got to the stage where it's decomposing. You know, Lord is sure and she her, her faith is up and down and I think we can all relate to that If faith goes up and down doesn't it If faith at one moment can be really strong and at the next moment can be really weak and we might find ourselves sitting today even at the Lord's table and we think I don't know if my faith is weak or I don't know if it's strong I just know I'm meant to be here and, and that's right that's right. God's people are meant to be at his table. And it's not about the strength or the weakness of your faith. It's, it's about the one who has a hold on you, isn't it? Not your hold on him. His hold on you. He loves you. He's given himself for you if you're his people. And we come, whether a faith is weak or whether it's strong. Whether it rises, whether it falls... Martha's brother is dead but we know the end of the story and we know it's not going to end that way she's still a true and devoted believer and I want us to be in the position where whether our faith is weak or strong that our love for Christ doesn't diminish our devotion to him his devotion to us never changes his love his devotion for his people never changes While we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. Pray that your love and devotion for him will not change no matter what you have to go through. But I think we can all sympathise with Martha and with Mary here because Mary comes out with the same words, doesn't she? Same thoughts, same feelings. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And where do we find Mary? Mary Rose quickly came to where Jesus was Verse 32 And when she saw him She fell at his feet Do you know we only come across Mary three times In the gospels And every time we find her she's at the feet of Jesus Isn't that amazing We saw her last night sitting listening At the feet of Jesus Here she is she falls at the feet of Jesus She doesn't stay away either Martha didn't stay away Mary doesn't stay away They come to Jesus. Their faith might be struggling. Their faith might be hanging by a thread, for all I know, at this point. But they come to Jesus. Their devotion, their love for him is undiminished. I think it was J.C. Ryle that said, Those who sit at Jesus' feet in the day of peace, like we saw last night, will find comfort there in the day of sorrow. I think that's Mary's experience, isn't it? Those who find comfort at Jesus' feet in the day of peace we'll find comfort there in the day of sorrow if you're looking for how to counsel one another ahead of bereavement think about that it's the more we know Jesus now the more we know of his love the more we know of his grace the more we know of his word the greater that arms us and strengthens us against the unseen unknowable future even the the deepest valleys the darkest valleys the valley of the shadow of death those that know and love and are grounded in the Lord Jesus that's the ones that find hope and peace when the darkness comes the more equipped we are to cope with any crisis some people say you fill yourself with theology what's practical about that? it's the most practical thing there is because that's what guards you isn't it? that's what strengthens you in the evil day it's the knowledge you have of God that will come to your rescue in the day when the world seems to be falling apart and all that you hoped for is slipping away Jesus loves these people his love for them didn't diminish they love him maybe their faith wobbled But they love the Lord Jesus. And I hope that's how we find ourselves here today. Whatever circumstances we're in. Whatever difficulties we're experiencing. Don't doubt the love of Christ. And one of the brilliant things about being able to come to the Lord's table. Is just to remember his love. his grace. What he did for us. What he has done for us. What he's still doing for us. What he promises he'll yet do for us. To remember these things. That our faith might be strengthened. Might be confirmed. We'll come back to these things in a moment. Let's sing again to God's praise. We're going to sing in Psalm 118. Psalm 118 and at verse 15. Psalm 118 and at verse 15. In dwellings of the righteous is heard the melody of joy and health. The Lord's right hand doth ever valiantly. We'll sing on to the end of verse 23. To God's praise. Can read God's word now from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 11. First Corinthians, chapter 11, where Paul is reminding the believers at Corinth what the Lord's Supper is all about. They've fallen into a terrible misuse of it and they're needing to be corrected. And in order to correct them, he says, Let me remind you what it actually should be all about. Verse 23 I received from the Lord. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. And we remind ourselves um, that this is the Lord's table. It's not the table of not being free church. It's not the table of the Free Church of Scotland. It's the Lord's table and all the Lord's people ought to be at the Lord's table. <coughs> uh, maybe there are those that haven't yet uh, come to sit in um, at the, the metaphorical table here at the front um, Please take the opportunity to, to come down even as I'm speaking um, But we're reminded that this is what it's all about it's remembering our Lord Jesus Who loved us and gave himself for us Those who are members of Christian churches If, you, if there's visitors here today You're welcome to join with us as well but those who have never made profession of the Lord's faith it's best that you don't at this time our earnest prayer is that the day will come you will want to be at the Lord's table with the Lord's people and we long and pray for such a day but at the same time if if you cannot say Jesus is my Lord my Saviour, my Redeemer then please pass on the, the bread and wine just now but our longing, our earnest longing and love for you is that you'll yet be able to take that with us. Jesus says here to Martha, tells her what's going to happen. When she's saying, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. He tells what will happen. He's not... Dealing with dreams and wishes and vain hopes. He's telling what is going to happen. Your brother will rise again. And perhaps it's a bit ambiguous. I don't think Martha quite grasps. What what does he actually mean here? Is he talking, is there going to be a miracle happening today? Or is he talking about the great resurrection at the end of the world? And that's that's the way she responds. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection. On the last day, perhaps a reply is orthodox, but maybe just a wee bit cagey, isn't it? I'm not sure I can... My faith is strong enough to believe anything other than my brother will come to life again at the end, along with the whole of the rest of the world. She wondering, what does he mean? But if she's in any doubt, uh, he wants to... Sort that out for her. And she gets this amazing declaration from Jesus, verse 25 I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I am resurrection. I am life. The very I am echoes back to God. I am God. I can do these things. This is stunning. And what Jesus is saying to her here. People that believe in me will not die. None of the prophets could say that. Moses couldn't say that. Abraham, David, Elijah, Isaiah, whoever. None of them could say that. Jesus says what, what must be absolutely stunning for anybody that would hear him say <coughs> I am the resurrection. I am the life. People that believe in me, it's not just on the last day that they find eternal life they find eternal life in me I I love the timing of him saying this He, he doesn't say it I'm the resurrection and the life after his own resurrection as if I can say it now that I've resurrected he's saying it before he ever resurrects he's saying that's why I will resurrect because I am the resurrection death can't keep me down death has no say over me, death has no power I have the power over death I can raise the dead to life. And he says it before he dies himself. And that ought to have been one of the things that consoled and gave hope and gave faith to his followers, even while he was a corpse lying in a tomb for three days. Martha, if I can raise all the dead at the end of the world and all at the one time, why would you not believe I can raise one man now, today, Do you believe this? That's what he asks her. Do you believe this? Whoever believes will live forever. Bodies can disappear. Can crumble to dust. People have been blown to smithereens and bombs. People have died at sea and never had a proper burial or in war. Buried in an unmarked unknown grave. But every single person that ever lived and died will reappear at the judgment seat and the resurrection at the last day. We celebrate the one who is resurrection, who is life. Yes, he died. Yes, he came back again. We remember his death, but we remember too. We're preaching a risen Christ. We're loving a risen, ascended, glorified, coming again, Christ. Whoever lives and believes in him Martha, Jesus challenges Martha with that. Do you believe this? At the end of verse 26. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I wonder how long that question was hanging. And it's a question that should be hanging for us today. Do you believe this? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe that all those who believe in him will rise again? Will live to experience eternal life with him? The one whom we are commemorating today at his table. Martha gets it. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, verse 27, the Son of God who is coming into the world. That, that's one of the great statements of faith in the New Testament. It's up, it's up there with Peter, who, whose words whose words came out in, at Caesarea Philippi. We believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. These are tremendous statements of faith. It must be God-given. Today we're remembering his crucifixion, we're remembering his death, but we're remembering his resurrection as well. Martha says these things in this context, surrounded by Jews, who don't necessarily believe in him at this time, and may be ready to stone Jesus at this time. It doesn't deter her from saying it. She could be excommunicated for saying this. She could be thrown out of the synagogue for saying it. She could be persecuted for seeing it. She could be stoned for seeing it. What a statement of faith. If her faith swithers at times, isn't it amazing she can say, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. We might say she's making her public profession of her faith in Christ. And that's what we're doing as well, isn't it? This is a public profession. Demonstrating our own faith in Christ, in Jesus. And I think that challenge that he puts to her is a challenge for every single one of us as well. Do you believe this? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe who he is, who he says he is? Do you believe you're a sinner do you believe you need his salvation do you believe that you have no hope other than the Lord Jesus Christ do you believe in the God he has come to tell us about do you believe that he is able to save that he is able to wash away your sins that he is able to bring you to be with him and give you eternal life do you believe these things if you believe these things you should be at the table that's what Christians believe if there's people here that say I believe all these things well you should be at the table you should be at the table. That's what Christians believe. This is what Christians are commanded and by the Lord Jesus Christ to do Do this in remembrance of me. As we saw last night, it's a command and we're not to duck it. We are to come to his table and that's what we seek to do now. Excuse me. Um, so the Lord Jesus, the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it said this is my body broken for you do this in remembrance of me we also will give thanks let's pray our gracious God we are reminded of the Lord Jesus we pray help us never to forget him we were reminded that he loved us and gave himself for us we remember how his body was broken on the cross how the blood flowed out of him on the cross I may remember in these symbols of bread and of wine, our precious Saviour, and pray that he would always be precious to us, even as we are precious to him. Lord, be with us, even now, as we seek to commemorate his supper in his way to his glory. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me likewise afterwards he took the cup and he said drink this blood of the new covenant in my name my blood poured out for you do this in remembrance of me it's a joy to be able to celebrate the Lord's Supper with you Every time we get the chance to do it, it's a privilege, a joy to be able to do it. Can you imagine, at a moment, the the joy of Mary and Martha following Jesus' great miracle, and they've come, they've come to the tomb, two sisters bereaved, sorrowing, and they go away, reunited as a family of three and I've got this kind of picture in my head of the 3 of them going down the road eh, arm in arm Lazarus in the middle perhaps a sister on each arm returning home who would have thought such an amazing thing can you imagine the joy of family worship that night the house of sorrowing turned into a house of joy once again can you imagine synagogue on the Sabbath he's back Lazarus is there in his seat Maybe there was a funeral service there for him. Imagine if we buried somebody last week and they were back with us today. Can you imagine the joy that goes with it? But that's the Lord Jesus. That's his love and that's his grace. That's his power. That's the wonder of the Lord Jesus. That's why we worship him and why we love him and why I hope our devotion for him is rekindled even as we think about these things today. I'm not going to look just now at... John chapter 12 but I do want to just as we finish I just want to draw your attention to the opening words of it six days before the Passover Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was whom Jesus had raised from the dead so they gave a dinner for him there Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table how amazing is that and they throw out a dinner for Jesus why wouldn't you given half a chance why wouldn't you why would they not be so filled with joy they just want to celebrate and celebrate with him and carry on celebrating with him we'll be told it's in the home of somebody called Simon the leper I don't know anything about him apart from his name and what he used to suffer from he was a leper he can't be a leper at this point or he'd be living in a commune somewhere he's always a cured leper did Jesus cure him Was it Jesus that cured him of his leprosy? As he brought Lazarus back from the dead? Don't know. In a sense, Simon's back from the dead as well. Exiled from his community. He couldn't risk people catching leprosy off him. What it seems to be is a a grateful gathering for Jesus. The, The whole point of this is they do it for Jesus. And there he is. And he's gathered with a family who have been reunited and restored to their family. With those that have been brought back from the dead, both literally and metaphorically. Folks that are devoted to him. And is it not in that, just in that little gathering there, is it not just a glimpse of heaven? Jesus, with his friends, with his disciples, with those who love him. Those who are devoted to him. Rescued. Saved. Delivered. Devoted to him. Sitting in fellowship with him. Forever and ever. At that great marriage supper of the Lamb. Folks that are loved. Folks that are loving. Folks that are saved by the death and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoicing in him. Isn't it great? If that represents our gathering here this morning. Rejoicing in all that he's done. All that he's still doing. All that he promises he'll yet to do. May he have the glory and the honour in all things. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we give thanks for the privilege once again of sitting at the table of the Lord. We don't deserve to be here. We're not worthy of being here. Our faith can be so up and down, so shallow, so weak at times, and yet we're here because of what you've done for us and not anything that we do for you. What the Lord Jesus has done to purchase for his life, eternal life. Lord, we bless you and we pray that we would be a devoted people today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives and for the rest of eternity. May your grace be upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing praises in Psalm 72. Psalm 72 and at verse 17. His name forever shall endure, last like the sun it shall. Men shall be blessed in him, and blessed all nations shall him call. He to God's praise. the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God.